If we're gonna start with a song from this movie, it better be the absolute banger that is the Ready or Not song or the Hide and Seek song. Oh, run, yeah. Run, run. I loved the song at the end. The song at the, the, the finale. That yeah. is not as much of a bop. I thought it was as, fully a bop. As the Hide and Seek song. I, I think that Heidi is forgetting what the word bop means. <laughs> no. No. The Hide and Seek song is a bop. It is a f- it's also a banger. It is a hit. It slaps. It does slap. But I yeah, Heidi does like the like children's songs that are made creepy. So <laughs> Heidi, Heidi has a mixed old shit. She's like, old shit, I'm here for it. Let me I mean, sign it me does add up. to the mood. It's so good. The part I where it's like, it. we are going to find you. It's very menacing. <laughs> but it sounds so fun and like light. I just love it. It's so good quality it works in the moment too because she obviously still has no idea what the fuck is going on so she's like this is fucking weird (laughs) yeah do you think that they have records for all the games or is it just this one no i think it's just that one because that's the amount of time that she gets as a head start well uh yes i understand but i just was curious what would the one for chess be exactly (laughs) move your might and kill (laughs) i don't know and ghouls welcome to slashers prefer blondes a podcast where three brunettes talk the kinds of movies that bite scream and slash i'm natalie i'm heidi and i'm laura and today we're putting on our game faces and staying hidden until dawn while we discuss matt bettinelli open and tyler gillette's 2019 film ready or not run 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 sorry <laughs> i knew you were gonna start singing immediately as soon as you finish it's so good <laughs> Yeah, we got, a, we got a fun one today, guys. Yeah. Yeah, this movie came out, like we said, in 2019. I know it's one of my favorites of the past, like, what, like five years? Yeah. Wow. Probably. Yeah, no, I love this movie. I think when it came out, I was genuinely so impressed. I think it's just like a fun little time. Mm-hmm. Very good horror comedy blend. Yes. It definitely surprised me when I first saw it. Like, I definitely had vibes like Year Next from it. Mm-hmm, which is what I mm-hmm. hoped for from it. And while it doesn't quite get there, it's still very good in its own right. I would definitely say the biggest difference between you are next and ready or not is that ready or not has a better cast in it. I mean, that's valid. Sorry, you're next. The acting is not always a hundred percent there. Kills are better though. Kills are better in your next. Kills are way better. Yeah. I think that, the biggest difference is definitely tone. This one's more of a comedy, and I think it works as a comedy. I think this is like a really good funny horror film without like sacrificing one for the other. It blends it really well. It's giving like Shaun of the Dead, but not as funny vibes. Definitely not as funny. Yeah, it's not as comedic, but like the blend is very good because like the suspense in Shaun of the Dead works, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. We'll do Shaun of the Dead eventually. It's Laura's favorite movie. Hell yeah. Well, second favorite. Oh, Raw is first. That's true. 
times yeah, have it's changed. It's Raw, then Shaun of the Dead. <laughs> times when have I, changed. When I met Laura, Shaun of the Dead was her favorite movie. <laughs> Excuse yes. me. <laughs> but yeah, so I think that tonally this one works a little bit better than your next does because it has kind of a couple that it's the acting it kind of makes it all over the place that's just my opinion though if you're a your next stan i'm sorry we like your next though you don't have to apologize (laughs) that's true (laughs) (laughs) well so i will say the first time i watched this i was a little actually put off by the humor in it it felt actually a little disjointed to me the first time. Like I didn't really get the blend, but then when I watched it the second time around, I was like, Oh no, this actually, this actually works. And I can't really explain why it didn't really hit me that well the first time, but I think it just took me a couple more viewings to kind of understand what they were trying to do. That was just me. I had the opposite experience. The first time I found this movie funnier than I do now Like, when I watch it now, I'm like, did that really land? Like, is that funny? Well, I think part of it might have been because the first time I was just, like, the story is just so bizarre and kind of shocking the first time you watch it. So I was like, I don't know if I should be laughing at some of the stuff that's happening here. Like, this is very traumatic for the protagonist, and I I don't know if I should be laughing or not. But then the second time and third times around, I was like, well, I know... I kind of know what they're going for, and I think I know what the point is, so I don't feel as bad laughing. That's fair. At these, you know, innocent people being killed, as we'll learn about in the summary. I definitely felt that it was a fun ride both times. I think that knowing the ending makes it kind of more fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't know the ending, it's kind of like, oh my god, there's just a lot happening. You don't really know how it's gonna end so like you're kind of like is this gonna go one way or the other which Mm -hmm. we'll get into a little bit more once we're actually talking about how they set up the film's climax but i do definitely think that like it is having fun with a purposefully like kind of wacky concept Mm -hmm. but doing it in a way that i think works really well because like you said the plot is kind of insane but Mm -hmm. at its core it's very classic very very normal deal with the devil nonsense that we've seen yeah. hundreds of times beforehand. But like what this movie does is it takes this very simple idea and gives it a really nice like spin mm-hmm. and like a, a fresh coat of paint that I think makes it really enjoyable. So it worked for me, but this is also very much so my brand of movie too. Mm-hmm. Like the first time I saw it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is something that I would definitely watch again. This is totally something that I would just throw on when I'm bored. And when I watched it this morning, I was like, this is such a good time. Like, <laughs> I think that maybe my initial reaction was because the film does a really good job of having you empathize with the protagonist. We get a lot of information. Well, we get a decent amount of information at the beginning about Grace and her background. And I, I was immediately on her side. So when she is then having to deal with this realization of what's going on and how her life is in danger, I was like, this is insane. Like experiencing her shock vicariously is what made me kind of on edge. And then the film kept up that tension. So when some of the scenes came around that were supposed to be funny, I didn't know how to react at first because I felt so bad about what was happening to her. But then once I watched it again, after knowing the ending, the the humor came a lot more easily to me. I think the darkness of that is one of the reasons why I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. though also like even the parts that are kind of more like oh god i'm like this is actually kind of lit but i <laughs> i do really like the whole dark humor 
energy. Yeah. I do definitely think that the reason why this movie works so, so well is because Samara Weaving is just so likable mm-hmm. and so such a good. wonderful actress and brilliant protagonist. Everything I've ever seen her in, even the movies I don't like that I've seen her in, I think that she's fantastic in. I've noticed that a lot of times I'm drawn to movies because of usually the way the main actress portrays the character. Like, I think I mentioned that for The Brood. Um, another film that comes to mind is Florence Pugh in Midsommar. Like, I don't think I would yeah. have liked that movie as much if she had not done such a stellar job. That's so this is fair. another instance of when I think the actress really brought her A-game and just made the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Because, like, all of the other characters and all of the other relationships are interesting. And I do think there are some things that they play off better than others. But the arc of Samara Weaving's character, why can't I? Grace. Grace. The arc of Grace, kind of, like, realizing what's happening to her, going through this transfer, this normal, traditional, final girl transformation throughout the movie, becoming, like, traumatized and living through it. Like, all of that stuff. She handles it with such a plum. And with such a relatable energy that even when mm-hmm. she's making quick choices, you're still like a hundred percent behind her. You're, you're like, you're doing the right thing. I understand what you're doing. And it really helps build a lot of the suspense in some of those later scenes, especially I think when like you think that she's about to escape or yeah. when you know, something is about to go poorly. It's just, yeah, it's really, really good. I think that her performance is what makes this work the best for me. But I do think that the script is really good. And I think that the like set pieces, even like some of the more minor set pieces are really effective in terms of like suspense and comedy and just like making us really concerned for what's going to happen next. Yeah, I think I think Grace's reactions are really genuine, too, and, and also hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like you, I think you mentioned in an earlier episode, Natalie, that you really like it when in horror films, the characters kind of acknowledge what's going on and have a yes. very realistic reaction to it. Yes. And so obviously we'll get to these in the summary, but you know, when she's just like, fuck, like what the fuck was that? Or when the person just drives right past her yep, and she I was just starts cursing him out and calling him every dirty name she can think of. Was I'm like, yes. Dick liquor? Or... Yeah, dick liquor. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, get out of the road. She's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, so God. that was really... Those, I think, really cemented not mm-hmm. only the comedy of the film, but the relatability of the character. Yeah, no, I think, as I've said in a previous episode, that is one of the smallest things that a, a movie can do to make me automatically love that movie. <laughs> it makes it, it just makes it feel more relatable. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And even when it's like a Buckwild situation like this, it's like, she is like, you, you feel for her and like, she's having understandable reactions and she's going through this fucking crazy thing and it's like you know at the end of the day it makes sense that she would have a moment where she just starts fucking cursing out this guy at the side of the road (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she's just had it (laughs) yeah okay so let me just do a quick rundown of some basic history about the movie i don't have like a ton of stuff on this one because this is a pretty recent film so if you want to look into it you totally can but this movie came out in 2019 as we said, it's directed by Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillette, and it was written by R. Christopher Murphy. Bettinelli Open and Gillette, Gillette, however we're saying it, oopsie. Um, <laughs> they <laughs> both worked on the original VHS and the other anthology horror film Southbound. They both did parts in both of those films. Um, they also both directed the new Scream movie that came out this year. 
I mean, I think that that kind of shows, I think, if you're looking at the like sleekness of the new Scream and the sleekness of this movie, it has a very definite like atmosphere that it's conveying, which I think works really well. This movie was made on a $6 million budget and made over $57.6 million worldwide. So it was a bit of a hit. Mm-hmm. I know that it got a lot of like festival buzz when it first came out. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of word of mouth talking about how good this movie was. I think it got a pretty good review overall. Yeah, it's currently sitting with an 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty great. And its audience score is 78%. I think the reason why the audience scores a little lower is because the comedy may not work for everybody. Yeah. But I do, I still fully think that this is definitely a crowd pleaser and is one of those movies where like, if you like this kind of movie, you are definitely going to like this. Mm -hmm. Did you know, I read this today because I was trying to figure out if the book that the nanny was reading to the kid, the nanny, the maid was reading to the kids was paradise lost. And it didn't, I didn't end up figuring that out. But I feel like it is. But I found out that there was an earlier draft of the script where Grace died in, <gasps> like halfway through. Interesting. Yeah. That would have been terrible. <laughs> I would not have liked that as much. Who would who would be the protagonist after her demise? I don't know. It didn't say. Maybe I bet Daniel. It's Daniel. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I do like that this movie is kind of cathartic in the sense, you'll probably understand why I say that when we get to the ending of the movie, but yeah. it was definitely like the ending could have gone one way or the other. And the way that it went was very satisfying. Yeah. So were that like, was I think, another, another draw that maybe could have put some people off, but I, I'm in the camp where I was like, hell yeah, that's, <laughs> this is what we're here for. So yeah. But the reason I chose this movie is because, like we said, it's just a fun time. I expected it to be enjoyable, but I didn't expect to really like it as much as I did. So that made more of an impression on me. And I think it says a lot about tradition, family, marriage, lots of very um, big themes and big ideas and have some, I think, interesting commentary on it. I'll be excited to, to kind of dig into that with both of you. So yeah, I, I just, it, it was a really fun time. Wait, I have a question. Mm-hmm. I'm raising my hand, but you can't see me. When was the first time you watched this movie? I first watched this movie in 2020. I think it was during lockdown. It could have been that summer. But yeah, it was a little bit after it came out. Awesome. I saw it when it was in theaters. Oh, excuse me. I saw it when it hit Hulu. I don't remember when it hit Hulu, but I saw it after it hit Hulu. Yeah. Oh, the theater. Sorry, anyway. Mr. LaBelle. Apparently, according to Wikipedia, LaBelle is an anagram for the name Belial, which is a word used in the Hebrew Bible to characterize wicked or worthless, which has become personified as devil. Lodomus is also an anagram for something, but I can't remember what it was. I think it's a good last name, though. Yeah, it kind of hits. It's kind of good. It's an anagram for Satan worshippers. Spoilers. Sorry. Satan. Oh, I love me a good, I love me a good Hail Satan. <laughs> well, should we get into it? Yeah. Are yeah, you guys ready? I'm, I think I'm, I'm so ready. ready. All right. The film begins 30 years in the past, late at night within the Lodomas family mansion. Two boys, Alex and Daniel, brothers, run through the mostly empty halls with a lantern. <laughs> Sorry, that was really funny. <laughs> 
Brothers. <laughs> Brothers. <laughs> they run through the mostly empty halls with a lantern to light their way. Daniel hides his little brother. Oh, I just said that. Daniel hides <laughs> Alex in a closet <laughs> and tells him to stay put. Just then, a wounded man begs him for help, insisting that everyone else is trying to kill him. Spooky. Instead of helping him, Daniel's like, dude, he's over here. And this group of people in weird masks and like these ceremonial robes like charge in and someone shoots him with, I think it's a spear gun, mm-hmm. maybe a crossbow. Mm-hmm. And this girl in a wedding dress is like screaming at them like, you don't have to do this. Ah, but then she just like stops screaming when they cart him off, which is kind of a wild moment in and of itself. So the film starts off with one of its biggest themes, which is you can't fucking trust kids you cannot (laughs) like jesus they are the biggest tattletales i actually really do like the daniel alex storyline and i also think it's really cool how they mimic it later on with georgie yeah fuck that kid in the in the like barn thing and fuck that kid for sure fuck that kid for real but also like fuck young daniel you know yeah well you know and we kind of see we will see that that's obviously like planting the seed for Daniel's characterization. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we get to see what the the kind of psychological outcome is of that. But one other thing I did want to mention is at the very beginning, when the opening credits are being shown on the screen, we get like a, they're panning across all of these board games. And most of they're them so say cool. Le, Mr. Le, or they, most of them say LaBelle on them, like LaBelle's Gambit. There's also one that says family ritual. Mm-hmm. There's secret one that says society. secret council. Yeah. yeah. So it's sunrise. Yes. So I liked how they were showing like, this is kind of their gaming dynasty. Yeah. And it's also foreshadowing what's going to happen in the movie. Mm-hmm. And also the mansion is gorgeous. Oh, it fully is. But yeah, I like that. It's already establishing Daniel as this protective older brother. Yeah. But then he also betrays the groom, and we, we see yeah. the outcome of that. And then his mom is like, I'm so proud of you. Like, that's weird. Messed up. Mm-hmm. I think that the family dynamic in this movie is so interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that what it has to say about family is also really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, we'll get more to it later yeah. once we get Hell to yeah. that scene with the mom. But like, whoo. Mm-hmm. So good. So yeah, we were initially like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Which is how you want to start the movie, I think. Mm -hmm. It's such a good opening scene. Like, I remember being like, I'm invested. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. This is great. (laughs) Speaking of, like, family dynamics, though, I guess it's, like, a different shade of, like, the family in Get Out. How there's, like, that, like, unsettling culty vibe to Mm -hmm. them. Oh, yeah, no, I get that for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways. 30 years later... Alex has brought his fiance Grace, a former foster child, home to get married. I don't know why I said it like that, but that's important. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so he brings her to the family home because they're going to get married. And she's like excited and ready to go. And she's got this really beautiful wedding dress. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. So pretty. I, I love it. Usually, I have never given a fuck about wedding dresses, but I saw this dress and I was like, Oh my god, that is amazing. I love like a little lacy element on it. Yes, it so cute. The little turtleneck, that's my favorite part. I love turtlenecks. The sleeves, adorable. Yes, love it. It's amazing. 
and she's like nervous. She's like reciting wedding vows to herself as though she's practicing and she's like talking to herself about how his family is richer than God and is worried about how they're going to like react to her, like what they're going to think of her. And Alex is eavesdropping in the doorway and is like, you shouldn't care what my family thinks because they're not good people. Right. And then Daniel yeah. says the same thing. Alex is very anti the family and Daniel is yeah. anti the family in a way that is very passive. So like Daniel's yeah. not a fan of it, but he's like, you know, whatever about it where Alex is like, I hate that I am here to the point where you're kind of like, why are you here then, sir? Yeah. Alex has been away for three years and then now he's back. Yeah. And so this kind of like makes me think about when we were talking about Daniel versus Alex I tend to think that because Daniel kind of shielded Alex from a lot of the trauma growing up, at least that's the, that's what I imply or I can infer from that initial scene is that he was just generally protecting Alex from things that he didn't want him to be exposed to as much. So maybe that's why, you know, Alex potentially had an easier time kind of distancing himself from the family versus Daniel, who maybe thought he was a bit more entrenched in it and had a harder time disconnecting himself from it. I am like fully 100% all for us just like creating a more sympathetic backstory for Daniel because I do definitely think that Adam Brody is the hottest he's ever been in this movie. (laughs) So I am all about us just like totally being like, well, you know, this is what it actually is. (laughs) Like they are all rich assholes, you know? So like you can, there's only so much you can really do. I do definitely think that Daniel does redeem himself by the end of the film and we see glimpses of that throughout that's fair but like at the end of the day when you're looking at things at face value like he's also not a good person like no I mean I'm I'm not saying he's a saint but if we're like if we're going to try to kind of understand the actions of anyone his seem most under I don't even want to say understandable but explainable Mm mm-hmm I completely. I mean, I could. I, I would say that you could say that about a couple of them too, because at the end of the day, they are fighting for their family, fighting for their lives. Yeah. But like, Adam Brody. Yeah. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. They knew. They fully knew. Uh, the Adam Brody is in some of my favorite horror movies. Cinematic universe is slowly expanding, <laughs> and we're just really here for it. <laughs> He's definitely introduced as someone. Like Grace even says something. She's talking to herself and she's like, even though your alcoholic brother keeps hitting on me. Mm-hmm. So it kind of sets him up initially. You, you're just supposed to That's be kind of, of wary of him. Yeah. Like, yeah. what is he trying to do? What's his game? And when he comes in and he's like putting Alex in a headlock, it's kind of like, okay, he's the older brother who's kind of a jerk. But yeah, we definitely see. I, I would argue that he grows the most. Yeah. That moment though, when he's like, I'm going to let you go. And he's like, three, two, release you're good is so awkward (laughs) here comes the groom shitting his pants (laughs) i do they really they really kind of let adam brody do his thing here yeah Yeah. we get a lot of like good seth cohen barbs (laughs) barbs what did you just say (laughs) like 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 sarcastic remarks what you said what, barbs. You think I was referencing Nicki Minaj's fans? Like, what? No, you said barbs. No, I said barbs. I thought you said barbs. I thought you said bard. <laughs> Let's keep all of that in. <laughs> no, I'm the asshole. It's fine. 
I like how I immediately just jumped to the Nicki Minaj fan name. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. Anyhow. Very entertaining. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alex tries to give Grace an out and says that they could just leave and forget about the wedding. But Grace insists that she wants to go through with this and have a large permanent family like she always dreamed. So that, okay. I just have to make a note here. Knowing what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. That feels really shitty. Like, I know I know that he's trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But he's already doing the wrong thing and not being totally truthful to her. And being, yeah. like, deceptively, like, I'm a good guy. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm giving you a chance, but you don't know what this is a chance for. Yeah. This is fully the biggest plot hole in the movie. Like, you have to get on board with this to accept the movie in its entirety. They and they do try. It. And I do like that scene of them in the passageway where yeah. he yeah. says, like, if I had said that I didn't want to marry you, you would have left. Like, I That's I so felt shitty. it. I yeah. felt it. Because, like, I, under- I, I, I get where he's coming from. He wants yeah. to be with her. He doesn't want her to leave. He has, he has baggage. But, like, at the same time, it's like, bro, if you really don't want this to happen, why are you letting it happen? Yep. Right. I mean, he thinks it's bullshit. If he, if he, really, like, does like he the know? mom says, if he really that's thinks he it's said. bullshit, he wouldn't have let her draw the card. Exactly. The mom he, says that. Th- and that's and one of the things right. I want to talk about later is like this, this struggle for him. Like, does he believe what's going to happen? Does he not believe what's going to happen? Because as you said, the mom's like, you wouldn't have even let her get to this point. You wouldn't have even brought her home if you thought this was all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Which I do think is, is a good point. It's like, you know how, like, in TV shows, when it's, like, a person who's from, like, a really religious family, and, like, they, they say that they don't really, like, believe in God or whatever, but then they enter a church and they do, like, the holy water thing. It gives me that kind of vibe, where it's, like, you're so indoctrinated into something that, like, mm-hmm. a part of you believes it, even if you don't want to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's fair. So I think when he's saying it's all a crock of shit, he's kind of trying to convince himself of that. But then he's not entirely successful in doing that. But I'm just, I wanted to say that this feels really shitty, knowing mm-hmm. what happens at the end of the yeah, movie. Yeah, looking back on it, you're like, bro, really? Mm-hmm. Once you've seen the movie once, re-watching these early scenes, she seems so naive. I know. And you're she like, does. oh, you poor thing. Yeah. I mean, how, how do you, like, you can't falter for that, though, because, no, like, you can't. how, no, how you would you can't. ever guess this? It's just more sympathetic on a rewatch. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I was like, because, like, you know going into the movie what the plot of the movie is, like, mm-hmm. movie's called Ready or Not, like, trailers, even if you didn't even see a trailer for this movie, you kind of get a vibe of what's going to happen. But, like, oh damn when you realize that he is fully just like not telling her anything yeah you can't trust you can't just can't trust rich people like i understand he's between a rock and a hard place but like that deception is fatal potentially Mm -hmm. so not really forgivable yeah like he really doesn't think that she's gonna draw the card that she draws the card right exactly i mean that of course course he wouldn't have a movie yeah anyway um, I did write at this part in my notes that the music in this movie is really good. I love it's the the good. strings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. The, like, title card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he's like, are you ready? And she goes, oh, fuck no. <laughs> and then you get the title. Queen. Yeah. I love her. Anyway, back to the sum. The sum Yeah. Sum. As it turns out, Grace had every right to be worried about how his family was going to receive her. Because they're taking wedding photos and, like, every single person is judging her. 
believing Mm -hmm. that she's not good enough to be one of them or that she doesn't have what it takes, whatever that means. I will say that this is also another scene that does better on a rewatch because you know that all of them are kind of like, well, you might be dead tomorrow anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's another good one for Daniel, I think. I mean, because he's like, you're you're good. Like, you don't belong in this family. I mean that as a compliment. Mm -hmm. Like, you're a good one. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, is he hitting on her? Because you don't know his character well enough. Yeah. They go through with the ceremony, though, in the backyard. And later, Alex and Grace are trying to get it on. Woo-hoo. But they're interrupted by creepy Aunt Helene, who announces that the family is waiting. I absolutely do love the introductions that we get to Aunt Helene. Oh I love, like, the truly like adam's family level comedic shots of her at the wedding where it's like you are out of place (laughs) ma'am and when she's like staring at them like taking photos from that little chair off on the side she's just scowling i know Mm -hmm. (laughs) what they don't show you is her doing her hair in the bathroom and like spiking it up with some gel because that stuff is she just fully went into a wind tunnel before she entered the the wedding (laughs) she went like indoor skydiving yeah that's that's what that is Exactly, I think you're right. Oh boy, I love it. Or it's like that scene in the Country Bears movie where they go through the car wash, but they're not in a car and their hair is like that. <laughs> Let's just spend the rest of the episode finding out <laughs> unique ways to describe her hairdo. Did you just <laughs> reference the Country Bears movie on our podcast? <laughs> yeah, I did. I am fully, fully dead. <laughs> I cannot even... Anyway, she is giving... She is giving off vibes of uh, hostility, big time. Oh yeah, yeah. vibes. And then when she's like, when she when she, when Grace realizes that she's there, she's like, "You're gonna have to hide better than that." Like, what a creep! Mm-hmm. She is fully ready to kill this woman. I think yeah. that ever since her husband died, she yeah. has been ready to seek revenge by killing another human being, and she's hoping that today is her moment. And you know what? It is. It sure it is. Her is. Moment. Alex, it seems, has failed to mention one little detail to this marriage. Instead of having a normal wedding night, it is tradition that any time someone new joins the family at midnight, they must play a game. A random game that Grace is going to choose by card. While she puts on her game face, Alex meets with his dad, staring at the end of this table where there's a fancy chair that's kept empty and lit by two candlesticks. Tony, Alex's dad, ominously asks if Alex is willing to do what it takes if she pulls that card. (laughs) Whatever that means. Before Grace can join the rest of the family, Alex's mom, Becky, has a quick conversation with her where she shares that she knew the moment that she saw her that Grace was going to be one of the good ones and then asks for her to help bring Alex back into the fold with the family and reconnect since he's been estranged for like three years now. Right, so you're learning all this background. There's a lot of exposition here about the family and kind of their relationships with one another. I do like this conversation between Grace and Alex's mom, Becky, I guess I didn't mm-hmm. catch mm-hmm. her name. Because it's kind of like, there's instantly this this connection between them that seems the most authentic out of yeah. all of the family members. Mm-hmm. So there is like a potential, there's a little bit of hope for her there. And she mentions that, Grace mentions that she's always wanted this feeling of being part of mm-hmm. a permanent family. And again, after seeing the movie, it's like, oh, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah. And she says, I don't want to let you down. And I was like, oh, yeah, 
Oh my yeah, heart. Laura Weaving continues to be the most likable person I have mm-hmm. ever seen. Like yeah. you just feel you feel so much for her and you just like want her to be part of this family. It's like Right. And it's like, oh, Becky could be her in in a sense. Obviously Alex, you know, Alex's opinion of her yeah. matters and he loves her. And that's the most important, but this is potentially a person that could also be on her side to help her kind of blend into the family and become yeah. one of them. I still can't get over how he literally takes her into the room and is like, okay, you got to pick this card. And he hasn't told her anything. anything. He hasn't told her anything. He really thinks that he can get out of here. She's going to play a game of checkers and he can run away forever. Yep. The, the sheer lack of any common sense that this man has. Yeah. No yeah. foresight. Absolutely none. Zero. I just, oh. Well, it's because you never think something bad's going to happen, right? It's kind of like, what are the odds? And he he says that later. Like, you drew the one bad card. Yeah. But it's also like, you know, you got to be a little bit. You got to let the anxiety kind of <laughs> push you a little yeah. bit to be like, well, what if that happens? But I did write down that he calls it a, quote, weird family ritual, which I thought was uh, yeah. a good phrase just to keep in mind. Do rich people just not have survival instincts? I would think that they really do have survival instincts, but only, like, for themselves. Like, he only cares about getting out of the situation completely unscathed for him. But then wouldn't he have thought about so this? He's not, so he's not going to tell her, because if she knows, he thinks she'll leave. So right. he's hoping if he plays dumb, they can get out of this with no problems. Mm-hmm. It's truly a gamble. It's truly LaBelle's Gambit. It's truly LaBelle's Gambit. But then I was thinking, I was thinking, she's kind of fucked either way. Because if she draws the card, then this whole thing happens. But if she draws like checkers or something else, she's still part of this family and now has to participate in this ritual for the rest of her life. Well, I don't, I don't know if they have to participate in it or not. Because he's been gone for three years. Was he there for the last one? Maybe no he, one's been married was, in three years. He was years. a kid in the last one. Well, no, the last one where somebody died. Uh, we know that Charity and Fitch both also had to go through the ritual. The last time somebody died would have been Helene's husband. Yes. So, when yeah, Daniel played assist. Because they're making a big deal about how everyone has to be there by midnight and like his sister's yeah. running late. So they're all in a fluster about You're right. that. You're so, right. you know, she... Grace would be part of this no matter what. So she's yeah. kind of fucked either way. And she yeah. had no knowledge of either option. Yeah. Ugh. Alex really just ain't it. I completely mm-hmm. believe that Daniel told Charity everything. Charity is insane. He did. We know that. Yeah. So like, she was fine with it. Yeah. hmm So definitely this whole, they're setting this, they're setting the scene for this whole initiation into the family. Yeah. And so we do get to meet the whole Ladomas family as they gather in like this private study. There's Spooky Aunt Helene, Tony's sister, Tony, his wife Becky, and their children, Daniel, as well as his wife Charity, cocaine addicted Emily, and her husband Fitch, and their two sons as well. As they gather around the table, Tony explains how his family didn't just luck into their successful game empire, they had some help. His ancestor, Victor Ladomas, met Mr. LaBelle on a ship. This man challenged him with a puzzle box. If Victor could solve the box, Mr. LaBelle would finance any venture that Victor could dream of. Of course, Victor successfully solved the puzzle box, and Mr. LaBelle kept his word with one caveat. The family must observe this tradition Grace is now subjected to. 
Tony places a blank card in the box, as he always has, and explains that Mr. LaBelle gets to choose the game. When Grace pulls the card out, she reveals it is the hide-and-seek card. The room is suddenly tense and silent. Since she is the guest and the new addition to the family, she is told she has the honor of being the one who hides. She has until 100 to find a hiding spot within the house, and the only way to win is to stay hidden until dawn. Before she can leave to go hide, Alex, poorly masking his concern and panic, tells her to meet him in his room, but Grace is like, no, I want to do this right. And then she runs off to look for somewhere to hide and ends up settling on the dumbwaiter. To help the countdown, the family puts on the banger, the hide and seek song, (laughs) which is the best part of the whole movie. Okay, so I do want to mention, I like how when they're telling this whole backstory about the box and and Mm -hmm. the bail, how they're passing it around and it's showing how each person passes the box and it's kind of characterizing them in that way. So like Daniel just kind of very forcefully sets it down next to him doesn't very really touch it for very long yeah and then like aunt helene is kind of like cherishing it in her hands and so you get to see how each person is reacting and that foreshadows how they might behave Mm -hmm. for the rest of the Mm -hmm. movie so i like that scene and then i love when she's talking to the dad you said his name's tony yeah like after the card's drawn one the way that alex looks like the look on his face of just realization like, oh shit, I'm a piece of shit. And then when she's talking to his dad and he's rolling up his sleeves as he's explaining to her what's going to happen. And she's like, what the fuck? Uh, Like, is this going to get physical? And he's fully like, he's fully like not even, he's like, okay, she has absolutely no idea. I will play along. Like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So then, and then when he's, she's like, how do I win? And he's like, well, you could stay hidden until dawn. And she just goes, no, no, thank thank you. (laughs) Oh, I love Um, that little very brief exchange, but like the rolling up of the sleeves just got me. Yeah. I love the, I I didn't really realize this the first time I watched this movie. So I guess I kind of just got it today. That literally, the box is like literally magic. Like they put in Mm -hmm. a blank card yeah, and then LaBelle like writes on it. And I was like, wow, that is proof that this is legitimate. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) early on in the movie, we have a full blown like satanic magic happening. (laughs) Exactly. At first, I thought they had multiple cards in there with our That's what I thought, games. too. Yeah, and then they, the second time around, I was like, oh, yeah, it's 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 devil magic. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm putting in this blank card, and when and he, I'm just putting it in, and then I'm pulling it out. That's all it is. I was like, oh! Yeah. <laughs> so good. Now that Grace is out of the room and the countdown is underway, the rest of the family is given guns, bows, axes, whatever old-timey weapons you can think of. And we've realized that this is going to be no ordinary game of hide and seek. And everyone seems a bit tense about it, except for crazy Aunt Helene. God. Who is like, I'm ready. She's got this axe. Yeah. She's like, give me this axe. <laughs> Again, good a good scene showing each one of their faces and how they're reacting to receiving their weapon. And yeah. because obviously Daniel looks like completely over it. Just like, here we go again. But then, like you said, Aunt Helene's like ready to go. I did learn a fun fact that the gun that Emily is given is, like, based on the one from Clue. Like, the game Clue. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Alex enters the servant's corridor. I have to leave. (laughs) (laughs) I'm leaving the podcast. (laughs) Hey, bye. 
<laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Okay. Though it was suggested that he stay behind so he doesn't have to, like, endure this whole thing of having to hunt her down himself, Alex enters one of the servants' corridors in hopes of finding Grace before anyone else can. Grace is holding up about as well as any sane person could in this situation. She's committed to playing this game, but is quickly growing bored and figures she'll just give herself up and carry about <laughs> her night as she had originally intended. She is such a queen. <laughs> She's like, ah, I've had enough of this. She's like, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> she, I love that she talks to herself and she's like, so how did you spend your wedding night? I spent it in a dumbwaiter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hide and seek. Honestly, though, a good hiding spot. She, if she would have stayed in there, I wonder how long she would have lasted. Yeah, I don't know. As she crawls out of the dumbwaiter, her dress snags and she is momentarily caught. <laughs> Stressful. But is able to sneak <laughs> away without anyone finding her. And as she continues about, she overhears one of the maids searching for Emily's son, Georgie, who has gotten out of bed and is nowhere to be found. Before the maid can find her, Alex pulls her into his room for safety, her being Grace. The nanny nearly walks in on them, but is distracted by the sound of glass breaking and goes to investigate. The maid, Clara? Clara? One of those two. Steps into the doorway and is almost immediately shot in the head by Emily with the small gun, who believes that she's Grace. The family all show up and agree to try to hide the body so Grace doesn't see, but she and Alex are just out of view, listening to everything. It was Emily, with the small gun, in the bedroom. (laughs) Yeah! Gotta be so real. I think that the cocaine plot line thing is so fucking funny. I think it is is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, but it also makes me think about maybe her childhood and her backstory, which we don't get. But, you know, maybe there's a reason that she is. She just, like, wants to please her parents so badly. Yeah, I feel like you could either read it as she's just rich and addicted to drugs, or she's rich and addicted to drugs because of her traumatic childhood. She's traumatized, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, she's definitely got issues, you could tell. Mm -hmm. But, like, so fucking funny. When she sniffs it again, there's cocaine, like, literally all over her fucking face. I was like, she's like, no more fuck ups. (laughs) You're a winner. You're a winner. (laughs) Yeah. And then, like, I also really, really like narratively this setup. Because, like, instead of him just explaining it, they're like, okay, we're actually gonna, we're gonna show her that it's all happening so that we don't have to deal with all that bullshit of her not believing it. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah, I didn't think about that. But it is, it also amplifies the shock. So I thought that was a good choice. Very, very good suspense also. Because they both look so scared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I do want to mention that the woman who plays Emily is also in this Canadian sitcom called Letterkenny. I don't know if you've heard of it. I know of it. it, But I don't know what it is. In that show, she also plays someone who is like basically drunk all the time. So I'm (laughs) like, this poor woman, she cannot be sober. (laughs) She's either inebriated or... Or high off her Or high. Yeah, exactly. So good. Uh, Before they decide who's going to help carry the body out, the family chides Emily and reminds her that they're not trying to shoot to kill. They're trying to, like, injure or incapacitate. (laughs) Because they need Grace alive for the ritual. I think Tony says, Aim for the center of gravity! Mm -hmm. Which, wouldn't that be the gut? Yeah, I mean, yeah you, you would die slowly. Wouldn't a shot in the gut basically kill you because you'd bleed out? 
but you very quickly. Slowly. Yeah, but it would be probably long enough for them to do whatever they need to do. I mean, I guess so. If you if you're talking about if you're talking about bleeding out quickly, it's like artery, so like inner thigh, jugular, yeah, wrist. I guess I just thought I'd always heard that a shot in the gut is like a basically a death sentence. Like you're not coming back from that. But maybe that has I don't know about how quick I mean, you bleed out. It is a death sentence. It's very hard to fix that, but you do bleed out a lot more slowly. Okay, it's more like internal. This is. Um, disclaimer if you're a doctor and you're listening to this and i'm wrong i'm completely sorry all of my expertise is solely coming from law and order I was so gonna say, is this law and order talk we jest but i literally use my law and order knowledge quite often like literally all the time you're basically a detective even one time in one of our classes in college i was like well i do know this i learned it from law and order but i do know this yeah that's just how things are Anyway, back to the back to the summary. Hey kids, don't let don't let your parents tell you that TV teaches you nothing. <laughs> Mini soda on lawn or SVU coming this <laughs> coming this fall. <laughs> dun dun. <laughs> Once Alex is sure that the coast is clear, he sneaks Grace into the servants' corridor, which is like within the walls of the house, and she understandably has a momentary meltdown, upset that he knew she could pull the card and never warned her because he's a dick. I loved the, well, you wanted to get married. It's my oh, fucking it's my fault. fault. Blaming the yeah. victim. Horrible. And then he'd be like, no. <laughs> and like we said, in in one sense, I understand where he's coming from. Like he, he felt like he was in a lose-lose situation because if he told her, she would have been like, uh, that's fucking insane and left. Or maybe she just wouldn't have believed him. So I guess maybe yeah. she wouldn't have left. Or even just or, being like, okay, well, you just don't want to get married. Leaves. Exactly. Or, yeah. and then he said, you know, if he doesn't propose, then she would have left. So presumably so, she wanted to get married. That's so gross. If I didn't propose, I was going to lose you. So this is my way of maintaining control over you. Like, gross. Yeah. So it's, I, I mean, I, yeah, he, it was a very, very shitty, deceptive thing to do. I do slightly understand where he's coming from. Like if I were in that predicament, it's a very, like I said, it's a, it's a rock and a hard place, but mm-hmm. like, Human yeah. decency says don't, don't like lie by omission and kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> they definitely do their best to make it understandable on his part. Like I, yeah. I appreciate what they what they tried. They mm-hmm. try. They did try. It's it's like especially horrible. It's like you didn't propose to me because you love me. It's because you were afraid I was going to leave you. I mean, I don't know if that's the truth because let's be real. His entire reason of not wanting to get married is because of this. Yeah. But she doesn't know that. I know. <laughs> but like let's if we if we step back and like, okay, the reason why he doesn't want to marry her is not because he doesn't love her, but it's because he has trauma related to weddings. <laughs> yeah. And this is kind of where I start to see the commentary on marriage come mm-hmm. in. I mean, I'll get to this later mostly because I think it's it's more apparent later in the film. But you know, this whole image of the kind of embattled bride who is enduring all of this trauma. I think that because when I was watching it the second time through, I was like, well, none of this would have happened if they just hadn't have gotten married. Like if they just didn't yeah. get married, I mean, none of this would though. have had to happen. They wouldn't have been worried about it. But it was like to legitimize this relationship to get married. Yeah. She says the they were living in sin. Yeah. Does she say that? Yeah. yeah. She says it's that like Alex would have loved to continue living in sin. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's where the the commentary on marriage as an institution starts to come in. But I have some more thoughts on that, definitely, when we learn something big in the plot. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear about that. 
It's it's not like, I don't want to build it up, but I was kind of like, oh, I see this connection here. To Alex's credit, he does explain to her, finally, that his family believes that if they don't kill her by sunrise, something horrible will happen, meaning they'll all die. <laughs> in the past he says Excellent delivery there Heidi thanks <laughs> I mean we don't know that yet but he just says something bad's gonna happen something bad's gonna happen yeah but he does also then say when people have refused to play games in the past they have also mysteriously died so he didn't yeah. want to risk that happening to her by explaining it and you know he also didn't want to lose her so he just proposed <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think this is maybe one of the reasons why I chose this movie. Because, like, I understand the thought of, like, what if? Like, oh my god. Because he could have just married her and stayed away, right? Just, like, gotten married, That's eloped or whatever, and not gone back. But it's the it's the fact that his family members before him who did that thing, who got married and did not go home and play the game, mysteriously died the next day. It's like that little what if like oh my god what if we die because i don't bring her back but if i bring her back there's a chance she could die so it's like this Mm -hmm. tug of war this mental psychological tug of war that it's like that makes me understand more where he's coming from because it's like what the fuck do i do when i'm Mm -hmm. simultaneously believing that this is this could be true and all this could be what will happen or it's all bullshit but like, mm-hmm. there's that chance that it's true and mm-hmm. that we could die if I don't do this. That's drawing him back. Yeah. Alex does, though, have a plan to try to get her out. And it's not a bad plan, to be honest. He tells her that she needs to continue down the corridor to the service kitchen while he finds a way to the security room to disarm all the doors and turn on the cameras so he can keep an eye on her. And when the doors are open, they can make a break for it. Not a bad plan. Not a bad plan. You know, at least he's trying to help her. Grace has no choice, so she tries to prepare herself to win this very bloody game of hide-and-seek. She tears the bottom of her long dress so she'll stop tripping over it and puts on this really cool pair of yellow converse. Grace is clearly here to win. We also love the transformation of the wedding dress as the film continues. We understand that it is the most appropriate metaphor for her physical and mental well-being it's like it's like the the equivalent of a haircutting scene in a drama yeah. like you know when the hair gets cut it's a whole new person it's just about to go down same deal even like she rips off the dress she changes her shoes and then later she rips off the sleeve and then mm-hmm. she yeah. starts bleeding all over it and then she gets other people's blood all over it <laughs> a plus yeah also like good for her for at least like i her the situation with her hair as the film continues it <laughs> it's just really makes me something feel, makes me feel so bad for her because it would be yeah. driving me fucking nuts the entire movie and she just rolls with it and i think that that is so strong and so brave the hair situation <laughs> is dire let's put it that way yeah at the very end it is it's a lot because you know there's like pins and shit in there and like she is just like yeah. well i can't really do anything about this right now so i have to just kind of <laughs> roll with it and i'm like uh, you poor thing. It would be driving me insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the real hero. <laughs> Grace makes it down to the end of the hallway and is faced with two doors. Turns out Alex didn't tell her which one to go down. 
So she absolutely doesn't know which one to pick. And as fate would have it, she chooses very poorly. As she exits, she finds herself directly behind where Tony, Antoline, and Daniel are carrying the body of the dead maid. They all, like, look at each other and are, like, shocked. (laughs) And Daniel's like, found her! And they, like, struggle to try to get her. And then Emily comes up and it's like, pow, 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 pow! But can't hit her, which is probably a good thing. Mm -hmm. It's because of the cocaine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Grace, like, manages to get away by the skin of her teeth. Honestly, a very good scene. I yeah. I, I love this kind of moment, too. So, like, it, it's executed very, very well. Mm-hmm. Like, her slowly opening the door, all of them just seeing <laughs> mm-hmm. her do it. It's just <laughs> a plus. Yeah. yeah, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. So good. She manages to get into the billiard room, where she tries to hide, but Daniel finds her. So gracious of him. He says that he'll give her a 10 second head start while he has a drink. And surprisingly actually keeps his word. Mm-hmm. I will say that like the way that Heidi just summarized the scene makes it seem a little more menacing than it kind of is in the context of it's it. It's really not. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's definitely notably conflicted about all of it and mm-hmm. does feel yeah. bad. And so she's like, you don't want to do this. And he's like, you're right. I don't want to do this. Yeah. And that's where it's kind of... Like, to me, that's where we get the the sense that he's just so far into this. Or at least he feels like he is so... He has so much baggage with his family and his history yeah. that it's kind of like, this is what I have to do. I can't really change. And I think he says at one point, Alex is the good one. Mm-hmm. Like, if anyone were to yeah. save you, it would be him. He says, I'm not the person you think I am or something. Yeah. yeah. So you see the internal... The internal struggle is externalized in what he's kind of telling yeah. her about how he feels about everything i think he also says in that scene like it's true what they say the rich really are different mm-hmm. yeah. which you know gives us our nice little capitalist theme exactly like yeah little, like bourgeoisie mm-hmm. also he looks so good <laughs> <laughs> this is true yeah and and the fact that he's he's dealing with alcoholism is another sign mm-hmm. that clearly yeah he's not doing fine i have another yeah. fun fact i mean i shouldn't drop this so originally Daniel was supposed to be drinking, like, after she pulled the card, but it was Adam Brody's idea to have him not drink, like, he was sobering up to, like, Mm. deal with what was happening. I thought that was really good. Hmm. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God, what a king. Adam Brody, you're out there listening. We're all just (laughs) stands. (laughs) So, Charity, Daniel's wife, storms into the room and is very annoyed that he didn't keep Grace there, saying that she'd rather be dead than lose this lifestyle in this family after Daniel's like, you know, I don't think Alex told her anything, but I told you and you didn't even care. She's like, well, you know where I came from. And I was like, damn. Honestly, hot take. I love Charity. (laughs) Honestly, not surprised. (laughs) Honestly, I completely am all for her. If I had a chance to be rich and married to Adam Brody, I would kill somebody. I'd be like, you know what? It's worth it. Yeah. Fine with it. And I also appreciate the idea that like charity is very much like she doesn't give a shit about the family. She's in this for herself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is in its own way also kind of understandable. Do I think she's a good person? God, no. no. (laughs) God, no. But I understand her motivations and like, yeah. It is like kind of, it is an interesting thing that this movie does 
where it puts a very blatant foot forward and being like, hey, we're not going to really try to sugarcoat most of these characters. Like, they're not going to be good people because we're saying something about how rich people are. And I kind of appreciate that because I think in some ways it is kind of realistic. Like, when Mm -hmm. we're talking about when money is involved, people really just, like, stop thinking about people as human beings. Right. Yeah, Yeah, and I, I actually wrote down in my notes, like, the willingness to sacrifice others to preserve their own wealth and power is, like written mm-hmm. big in big letters for me i mean it is standard marks marks 101 you know what i mean like capitalism yeah. can't function without the exploitation of the proletariat like that's mm-hmm. baseline the truth and we're getting that in this horror film like literalized in the we need to actually sacrifice a human being in order to continue our lifestyle mm-hmm. and while we're doing that we're also going to needlessly sacrifice the people who are here to serve us because like they're also they also don't really matter like they don't really care that any of the help is dead mm-hmm. yeah you know and i a lot of horror movies do that like th- this is not by any means like a hot take in the yeah. horror world but i do think that this movie does it in a way that is both entertaining and well done like it's a very very nice metaphor very understandable metaphor Mm -hmm. and i think that by utilizing alex and daniel the way that they do we get like some cool nuance yeah and i think the other interesting thing to note about the family is that their power is not inherent like it was given to them yep as we learn from labelle aka the devil so you find throughout the movie that they're actually kind of inept like they 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 seem very incapable of you know we we laugh at their failed attempts to catch her and at one point the dad's like she's just a skinny little blonde twig twig. how could she be doing this to us and it's i i I appreciated how they portrayed the family members as just regular people who are actually kind of bumbling fools at points Mm -hmm. i think that's actually a really good point because i think it also says something about the way that people in general or like we as a society even cling to tradition even when yeah. it's not always the best way yeah. to go. Like they're, they have that whole debate about whether or not they should be using the security cameras. And she's <laughs> like, should we, can we get some more modern weapons? And like, <laughs> no, it's tradition. Mm-hmm. And then Aunt Helene's like, we're cherry picking. Okay. Like whatever. And it's like the fact that they're clinging to these like old weapons that are hard to use and they have absolutely no experience with the fact that they are forcing themselves not to rely on the technology that they would already be used to. Like it's not what they're doing is not setting up the same game that their grandfather would have set up. It's a completely different game because they're putting themselves at a disadvantage immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I just think that's really interesting because like in a movie that is so heavily influenced by tradition and ritual Mm -hmm. down to the fact that it's core concept is taking place on a wedding night. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how they're basically saying that sticking to those traditions is never a good thing, regardless of what side you're on. <laughs> yeah. This is also a moment where I think one of the major kind of connections I saw cropped up. So I was thinking as I was watching this, like, why does this ceremony happen when someone joins the family? Why is marriage like the inciting situation? And so I was thinking, you know, there's so so much is going on in this movie about tradition and how it's upheld in this situation but I think largely it's upheld by people who stand to gain the most and also have the most to lose if the Mm -hmm. tradition is not upheld so it's like this family their their power and their wealth stems from tradition and is also perpetuated by tradition 
Yeah. So I see this connection to the institution of marriage. I mean, it's it's also a tradition or a pact made between people that preserves traditional power dynamics. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that every, you know, hashtag not every marriage, not saying that every marriage is like that and that people shouldn't want to get married or that marriage is bad. But traditionally, it is an institution that is used to maintain different power differentials between husband and wife. And a lot of times at the disadvantage of women. So I kind of saw the connection there between this very brutal, insane tradition that is uh, like unbelievable. And I think there's a reason they paired that with the image of the bride and the context of the wedding, because maybe it's trying to say something and maybe it's not, but I read it as a commentary on marriage itself and that being Mm -hmm. an institution that kind of does the same thing. Yeah, that's good. Hot take. Hot take. Don't get married. No, I'm just kidding. Hot not, take. Don't get married. No, not not saying that at all. But you know, think about I'm it historically. <laughs> think about you know, think about all of the articles out there about how marriage is a very historical institution mm-hmm. that privileges certain parties over others. Definitely. Maybe get married with the full knowledge of who your partner is <laughs> and whether or not their family wants to kill you. Maybe yeah, meet the family first <laughs> ask a few questions hire a private investigator exactly okay the others all arrive thinking that daniel has captured grace and emily has a full meltdown because she's high as fuck on <laughs> cocaine and she Fully. realizes that she forgot her gun and her husband's like don't worry just like take this crossbow and she's like trying to figure it out when one of the other maids runs in and just as she's saying that she saw grace emily shoots her in the mouth like through which she screams why does this keep happening to me it is peak comedy it is like genuinely so funny this is one of the scenes where the first time i saw it i didn't know how to react because they're like having this serious conversation and then the dying woman is like gurgling blood it's so funny and at first i was like oh this feels this feels like i shouldn't be laughing this feels wrong but then second time around i was like okay this is this is yeah i don't feel as bad helene is like interrupted by the gurgling and just like goes over and like slams her axe down on the girl and it's like okay i'm gonna talk now (laughs) yeah i oh my god it's so it's so funny like it it's funny in the sense that it's so terrible that you can't believe that this is how they're reacting to it all. And I think that's what makes it so good. Like, ugh, the mm-hmm. black comedy here. The, ugh, mm-hmm. the It's always sunny tease. Like, it's just like... <laughs> but also, all of the housekeepers dying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they're just thinking nothing of it. They're like, oh, she was my favorite. But, like, they're not thinking of them as human beings. Yeah. Because they're not to them. Right. It's fucked up. Yeah. With the evening hours burning away and two people killed that aren't Grace, the family entertains the idea, as we mentioned, that they should break from the tradition and use the security cameras because they're sure that their ancestor would have used them if he had the opportunity. But Aunt Helene is like, no, 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 no. Fully also so funny. (laughs) The comedy. (laughs) Pick and choose, pick and choose. (laughs) Grace is in it to win it now, though, since her life is literally on the line. She sneaks into, like, 
I don't the music room is that what it is the private room I think it's the room where they did the whole card yeah, yeah, ceremony yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the family room. room is what they call it I think yeah family room that room the private one with the name on the door and she pulls a shotgun and an ammunition belt off the wall as she's about to rush out of the room she catches sight of her reflection and takes a moment to look at herself and is shocked but carries on I think this is one of the most interesting moments of the film because, like, normally people wouldn't include that, but I love that she's like, oh, damn, I guess this is who I am now. She, or this I, is who I have to be. She's struck by the insaneness of the scenario. Yeah. Insanity but also kind of, like, a sense of, you know, this feeling of, I didn't know I could be this way. Or I didn't know mm-hmm. I could do this. Like, I have this strength within me to do what I need sure. to do to survive. Yeah. And I think I like that scene where she first finds out what's going on when she sees that they shoot one of the maids. Mm-hmm. And just the look on her face of like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. And then that transition to, no, no, I'm going to do what it takes to outsmart them and survive. Exactly. And just realizing that strength within herself, I think is really powerful. And she essentially has to do it alone. Yeah. I mean, Alex is kind of helping her, but she also doesn't know what's coming for her. Yeah. Grace makes it into the service kitchen as Alex instructed, but he hasn't been able to turn the security camera on or unlock the doors yet. Stevens, the family butler, starts whistling and like enters the kitchen while she tries to hide Jurassic Park style. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> it literally is like that. It looks exactly like that. You're completely right. <laughs> yeah. Alex does finally get the doors unlocked just before... Daniel and his dad like barge into the room and he tries to like break the computer system so it can't be rearmed. And then furious and desperate, Alex nearly chokes his dad, but Daniel's able to talk him down. And Alex is like, Daniel, please help. But it's no use. And then his dad like whacks him so hard he falls unconscious. And Tony's like, whose side are you on? And Daniel's like, I distracted him, didn't I? But who knows, really? Playing both sides. Yeah. We're seeing cracks in the armor. <laughs> we are seeing it all happen. They don't know that we know that they know that we know. <laughs> Grace, though, finally sees her opportunity to escape. After several close calls, nearly alerting Stevens, the butler, to her presence, Grace has the gun cocked and loaded. But just as she tries to fire it at him, since he's blocking her path to the exit, she unfortunately learns that the ammunition is for display only. Kind of adds a layer of irony to the scene where she's looking at herself in the mirror, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stevens does try to attack her, but Grace slams this hot pot of tea into his face and manages to get yeah. away. Good job, that tea. Cool. That was, <laughs> that was, that was cool. pretty lit. <laughs> she passes by the dumbwaiter again and is like, I'm going to give it another shot. And as she opens it, she's shocked to find the last of the three maids, Dora, <laughs> hiding in there. And Grace is like, switch places with me. They're not looking for you. And she's like, uh, and then yells for everyone and is like, she's over here. And she accidentally hits one of the buttons on the dumbwaiter and the door starts to close and slowly crushes Dora to death. Classic dumbwaiter crush death. Big Tatum from Scream vibes. Yeah. We we love to see it. How many, what? fucking dumbwaiter scenes in horror movies because it's in old mansions there's also one in pet cemetery and there's one in the haunting of hill house you gotta have it gotta have it you gotta have it it. anyway so the maid is dead (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think that 
after this scene in particular is when we get like insane final girl vibes from grace i might be thinking about this because i just watched the entirety of the saw franchise but i am thinking a lot about pain and transformation and like going (laughs) through something in order to become different and i think that's very much so the final girl motif like i think that is what Mm -hmm. carol Culver was kind of getting at with her whole thing so it is really interesting to me that the scenes that we get from here until the end of the film are very much so like grace not only like doing what it takes to survive but like putting herself in situations where she is in more pain or physically or emotionally injured in order to survive it is giving us very jigsaw but more like an internal mood like (laughs) yeah i'll kind of like point the things out as as we go forward but like here is where it really just like takes a turn into her being like okay well this is just gonna suck for me for a little while (laughs) i mean read into this what you want but she is quite literally a battered bride interesting interesting Mm -hmm. the imagery (laughs) it's also just fucking gross and i did i did think about her hair too so (laughs) i'm glad that i was not the only one who was hung up on her hair i I don't think it really bothered me the first time i watched it but when i was watching it this morning i was just like this poor woman like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like she's never gonna get all that out (laughs) no it's horrible she's gonna have to shave her head like she (laughs) might also have to lose her hand oh yeah no that that, that's coming off yeah. giving giving us a lot of quiet place vibes coming forward <laughs> yeah. the Ladomas family is pissed now three dead one injured and dawn is quickly approaching helene gets all up in tony's face saying that she knew this would happen tonight and though this is rare the last time it happened was the night of her wedding and it was her husband at the beginning who was killed she fought it then but now she's like mr labelle has chosen alex to lead so someone needs to get him back on course i think that helene's like read of the situation is very interesting Mm -hmm. i do find it unfortunate that we can't understand a little more i was thinking about halfway through this movie i was like this would be a really cool like mini series but also it wouldn't be because like it'd be a lot of the same stuff but Mm -hmm. i am really interested in this family dynamic and it just kind of sucks that we don't get more of it i agree with you but like they couldn't like i don't understand how they would have been able to i don't think it's something they could have done right Mm -hmm. i do i am interested in it so it's kind of, a, I was like, oh, man, it would have been cool to learn more about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grace is outside on the roof and she overhears everything before she finally makes a break for it in the backyard. And just as she's running towards the property line, she sees the light of a lantern and is like, uh-oh, and runs into a barn where there's just like a lot of classic devil goats <laughs> with the classic horns, you know, you know what I'm talking about. I, I am that very witch. <laughs> Exactly. And, oh, and we uh Natalie might also want to mention her favorite little scene with Fitch on his phone. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, he fully is googling. What what does he say? Oh fuck. It's packed with the devil. Real or real bullshit. or bullshit. <laughs> and then his like friend is texting him and his friend's like, "What Yo, up? What's up, like, dog? What's up, dog?" Nothing and then he much. like reads it like, "What up, dog?" I hate it. <laughs> I love movies where Google makes an appearance and it's like for the <laughs> stupidest reasons. It's not even Google. It's fake Google. Oh, I'm sorry. Fake Google. Yeah. Like when people like use Bing in movies too. That's also so funny Like in Twilight? 
like in Twilight when she's looking up vampires. I was about to mention Twilight because that is, of course, (laughs) the moment where Google is utilized to its fullest potential. (laughs) For some reason, I remember the music in the background where she's finding out what vampires are. I love that. The music in the Twilight movies ironically slaps. I know. Both the score and the soundtrack. I agree. Listeners, should we do Twilight? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, ch- I did i did a poll on our instagram and about half of the people said yes and about half of the people said no Ooh. people said no we're very vehement but honestly that makes me only want to do it even more is that <laughs> one of them yes but every time i try to have fun you always squash that so <laughs> <laughs> fucking drag me i'm kidding i love you <sighs> i love you too um where was i the goats oh yeah so she goes into the she goes into the barn and there's all those like classic devil goats and there's also like this, I don't even know what it is, but there's a pit and there's like wooden doors on top of it. And it's really weird. As she's hiding, she realizes that the person that's holding the lantern is Georgie, Fitch's son, who's been missing all night. She tries to work with him and is like, we got to get out of here. And she's so relieved when she sees yeah. that it's a kid. Mm-hmm. And then the kid is just like holding his mom's gun and shoots her in the hand clean through big hole mm-hmm. bad mm. very very bad mm-hmm. grace is like Ooh. over it and punches him and knocks him clean out fucking she's him. doing a public service <laughs> she really is and then she goes little fucker wait no that was later no she does okay she's a little yeah. fucker then yeah and then this spooky black goat charges at her and she falls down the whatever it is into bodies in this pit it looks nasty in there oh yeah that's that's when i was like that hand's gotta come off because it is infected right now (laughs) i was about to say that yep (laughs) but she like immediately throws up because you know it smells like oh yeah actual ass in there like (laughs) oh yeah yeah at first she mostly sees that it's goat bodies which is gross but then she sees that there's a single human body that has spear gun bolts in it it's definitely Helene's husband. Mm-hmm. From the past. Yeah. 30 years later. But I also like I also like the implication that they were able to get Helene's husband dead and only kill him. Whereas tonight there have been <laughs> yeah, yeah, four person body counts. We've become more inept over time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lose your edge. Ever resilient though, Grace tries to climb this rickety old ladder, but just as she gets to the top, it breaks and falls from under her feet. She manages to catch herself with one hand, strength of a god, and prevents herself from falling. But in order to get out, she slams her other handhold down onto the nail and manages to pull herself Ooh. out. But it's also making a shit ton of noise because, ow! Yeah. The quiet, the quiet place of it all. Literally, the minute they showed that nail, I was like, oh my god, it's gonna happen. Yeah. Oh my god, yeah. we're getting Emily Blunt. And then it happens in the scream around Amoeba Quiet Place 2. Yeah. When that boy gets hit by the bear trap and oh, just you can't help it. Let's loose. Like she can't help it. But then, like, I love in this movie where, you know, because she's not a small child. Yeah. She screams <laughs> that God. first scream and then immediately is like stopping herself. And she's just doing that like heavy, like breathing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. One of my first thoughts when her hand went through the na- the nail was, I hope she has her tetanus shot. Oh my god. Because that is nasty. Yeah. It's gross. 
I was going to say, you know, like, Natalie was talking about how she does that, like, heavy breathing to try mm-hmm. to, like, just push mm-hmm. through. That is exactly what I did when I sliced my hand open. Aww. <laughs> like, as soon as she started doing that, I was like, oh, I know that feel. I know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. You gotta just push through. I drove myself to the hospital, by the way. Oh, my God. Uh, I remember this day very, very well. <laughs> I, was so, I was so worried about you. Oh, yeah. my God. Hand trauma. Charity is out having a smoke when she sees Grace run across the lawn. Having already failed once by letting Alex out of her sight, she's like, I'm gonna get her. I'm gonna do it. And she, like, lines up the shot, but she misses horribly. (laughs) I love this part, because I think she says something like, I got you, bitch. Exactly. (laughs) And it just goes straight into a tree. It's so funny. Grace is not even aware that she was just shot at. It it was so off. Oh I thought God. that was good. Grace is finally able to get off the property, though, by breaking part of the iron fence. But as she's trying to squeeze to freedom, she pretty seriously injures her back. Like, it's yeah. scraping along. Mm-hmm. This is another... So, like, we have we have the, the gunshot, we have the nail, we have the back with the fence. Like, mm-hmm. she's just literally having to put herself fucking through yeah. it. And she's probably just got so much adrenaline running mm-hmm. through her that she's just like, fuck it. Like, this is, you know, this is survival. This is what I yeah, need sure. to do. I mean, because you also have to remember at this point, it's like, what, like 4 a.m.? It's gotta mm-hmm. be pretty And late. it's uh, the day of her wedding. So, like, God knows that she has slept very oh, well. God. So, like, she's probably exhausted. Yeah. yeah. In a remarkable stroke of luck, though, Grace manages to stop a car. But instead of letting her in, the driver just yells at her to get out of the fucking road and doesn't help her. And Grace is like, had it. <laughs> and we mentioned this earlier, but she just unleashes a string of insults and curses that I'm sure she's been bottling up for hours. Honestly, it is, it's truly cathartic in this moment. Like, it's like, girl, you deserve that. Yeah. But like, why? Why wouldn't you stop and help her, though? Oh, my God. People are assholes, dude. Not their problem. Oh, my God. It's horrible. Yep. I mean, I acknowledge that it would be kind of a shock to see someone, like, running up to me like that, but... It would be, but I wouldn't be like, get out of the fucking road. Human decency. Yeah. I'd be like, dude, are you okay? Yeah. At least. Whatever. Branded the fuck-ups of the night, Emily and Daniel are (laughs) stuck hiding the bodies of the maids in the goat pit in the barn. Daniel insists that they all deserve to die for all of this that's happening, but Emily's like, my kids don't. Like, they're completely innocent. And then Georgie, like, magically wakes up at this moment, and he's like, oh, I'm here, and I shot Grace, because that's what everybody else seemed to want to do, and she's like, I'm so proud of you, and Daniel's like, why the fuck would you do that? (laughs) Like, you're a literal child. Yeah, like, it is messed up. And you can tell that it affects Daniel intensely. Oh, yeah. Because I'm sure we'll probably mention it later in the summary, but this is a good point to bring it up. Later, Alex is talking to his mom and he says yeah. that he realized you'll pretty much do anything if your family says it's okay. Mm-hmm. So we get the scene with Georgie where he it's completely normal to him because he sees everyone else doing it yeah. in his family. It looks like something that his family wants him to do. So he thinks he's doing the right thing, actually. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Daniel just kind of feels that in that scene, like, oh, this is mm-hmm. how I grew up. And I'm, you know, I yeah. have to put a stop to it, basically. Yeah. And this is obviously like a 
a direct parallel to what happened at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And it, like, reminds me of, like, that moment, like, when you watch, like, the Scientology shows or whatever, where people are like, that's the time that, that I started to be, like, deprogrammed. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. I finally break through and see the light. Like, no, this is actually fucked up. Yeah. Grace, finally off the property, has a few moments where she thinks she might be in the clear until motherfucking Stevens shows up with his car and straight up tries to tackle her after he gets out. Like, dude! Grace, though, is having none of that. She manages to, like, get him off of her and knock him onto his back and she rips off the sash of her dress and straight up chokes him until he passes out. She does that. I wish that her luck continued, though, because she gets in the car and she drives away and she doesn't have any cell phone because apparently Steven stole all the cell phones and she like hits the knockoff OnStar button (laughs) and asks them to call the police. And as Justin from TripSafe is trying to help, he's like, "Uh oh, this vehicle was reported stolen. I have to like shut it down. It's company policy. And she's like, Justin, call the fucking police. <laughs> He's like, I can't. There's no need for profanities. This is a funny scene. I like this one. Yeah. Well, he says that he is calling the police, but that he can't keep the car on. He's like, you're just gonna have to wait for the police to get there with the car off. And she's like, they're trying to kill me. Oh my God. <sighs> it's funny. It was funny though. Yeah. Shortly after the car comes to a stop, Stevens is there at the window like a creep. And he breaks the window with his elbow and shoots her with a trank dart and she passes out. And he like calls up the family and is like, I'm bringing her. And he's so proud of himself. And they're like, yes, finally, we're good. And he starts to play that song. You know the song. So loud. Yeah, a very convenient plot device that he loves this music. Yeah. <laughs> and wants to fucking blast it. Yeah. And he's playing it so loud that he doesn't even realize that she's, like, coming to. And the family is watching through the FaceTime and, like, Stevens! Stevens! Also, has a, you should not be FaceTiming while you're driving. You really should not. PSA. That's, like, dangerous. Yeah. Horrible. But Grace does manage to kick him several times, causing him to lose control of the car. And it flips. And they crash. Scary. Miraculously, though, Grace is relatively unharmed by this. Seatbelts, y'all. She gets out of the car, and just when she thinks that she's safe, Daniel approaches with his shotgun. She tries to convince him to let her go, saying that he's a good guy, and Alex won't forgive him, but Daniel is like, I have to do this for the family, and that's really important to him. And then he smacks her with the butt of his gun and knocks her out. Poor girl. Back in his room. Alex is handcuffed to the bed frame and has been trying desperately to saw through it, which has been taking literal hours, I'm sure. There's there's very, very many shots of him doing that. <laughs> it's, it's honestly dumb. Well, I mean, hey, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm glad that they show it, because they show it a lot because it takes a long time. It takes it's a like, long okay. time. He still has quite a ways to go before he's free, but he is interrupted when his mom walks in and explains that they've found Grace. Now, she says that she doesn't want to kill her, but will do so if it means keeping the family safe. That is certainly not enough for Alex, who swears that he'll kill her if anything happens to Grace. If they can just get through tonight, he and Grace are going to leave and never come back. Alex does take a moment to explain why he left, and he realized one night while they were chanting and killing goats 
that this was not normal and that kids would pretty much do anything if their family says that it's okay. And after he escaped, he met Grace, who made him feel like he could be a good person. Aww, so sweet. People can change. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't. I know. But... <laughs> <laughs> Downstairs, though, Grace has been tied to a table that's got like a pentagram on it or something like that, I think. Naturally. And she. Hell like... Satan. <laughs> Everyone, like, prepares for it, and Tony apologizes to Mr. LaBelle for how the night's gone, but is like, we're gonna make it up to you. And the ceremony begins as Grace, like, starts to fade in and out of consciousness, and the family passes around a goblet full of something. But they all, like, take a drink, and it must be nasty, because some of them are like, ugh. But they start this chanting, and they're like, Mr. LaBelle, we're renewing our pledge. And just as Tony's about to plunge the dagger into her and he's like gonna let out a real good hail Satan, <laughs> everyone starts to vomit up this drink and it turns out Daniel King poisoned it with a non-lethal <laughs> dose of hydrochloric acid that will probably just make them shit weird for a week. Adam Brody truly in this movie is acting. He is truly serving us conflicted. He is truly conserving <laughs> yeah. us reluctant he is like mm -hmm. i am the family bitch boy but also i will rise above and save the day like it is everything and yeah. i love that he poisons his family <laughs> i love that when grace is like i knew you would help me he's like i didn't yes yeah yeah what a says, line at some point somebody had to burn it all down yeah which i thought was a good line too and i didn't think it would be me yeah yeah yep Daniel tries to get Grace to safety. Nice guy. His wife, though, Charity, like, shoots him in the neck, though, after realizing that he doesn't care if she lives or dies at this point. The way she delivers that line, yeah. so good. She's like, you don't care if I die. Well, did she ever think that? She had to on some level. I mean, mm -hmm. like, you're married to somebody, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but it's very clear that she married him for the money, and he knows that, and she knows that, yep. and he doesn't really love her. I thought that was I clear mean, from the beginning. But just because just because you don't love somebody doesn't mean that you don't care if they die. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a difference there. And yeah. so, like, I I was, when that scene came around this, this watch, I was like, wow, she really is bringing it, like, that line was delivered very, very well. And yeah. you you feel for her for a moment before she shoots Daniel. Mm -hmm. And then you're mad at her again. Because, like, how dare she? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Grace does manage to knock Charity out. But she is way too late to save Daniel, who is bleeding profusely from his neck wound. Arteries, like Natalie said. This is what we call a quick death. <laughs> mm -hmm. And even though not that that quick, there's still some gurgling to be had. Lots yeah. of gurgling in this movie. Lots of gurgling in this movie. He manages to have like a last glance with Alex. He doesn't get to say anything, but like there's a little closure there. A little, barely any. It's still a good scene though, because like you can tell that Alex does really love his brother. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Grace is unable to catch a break though. She's found once again by Tony, but she managed to smack him around with a lantern before dropping it and setting the place on fire. Burn yeah. it down. While she's dealing with all of this, Alex is finally, finally done sawing through his bed frame with the handcuffs <laughs> and stumbles upon Daniel, but Daniel's dead, y'all. It's really sad. It is yeah. really sad. Now it's Grace's turn to face off with Becky because apparently we gotta do it one by one here. Almost immediately, Becky tries to choke Grace, 
but Grace is able to yank the table runner down to the ground at her so that the puzzle box is at her level. And she tries to whack Becky, and like just before she does, Becky's like, You don't deserve to have a family. That's horrible. Yeah, yep. horrible thing to say. And then Grace is like on top of her, smashing her head in with this box, and it's like, Fuck your family. So, yeah, good. which is great. It's definitely brutal, but it's one of those scenes yeah. where you understand that this is all pent up and she's mm-hmm. just releasing all of her anger and rage that she feels mm-hmm. on this woman who has probably cut her super, super deep mm-hmm. by saying that about her family. Especially because of the conversation that they had earlier where yep. she's like, I really wanted to have a, like a permanent family. Like, this is something that I wanted. And mm-hmm. now Becky's like, you don't deserve that. Like, that's so shitty. Mm-hmm. Horrible people. Horrible. Naturally, Alex has to walk in at the literal worst moment and is like witnessing Grace smashing his mom's face in. Yeah. And it's like, regardless of your thoughts on Alex in this moment, you're kind of like, yeah, that does kind of blow that you just saw her kill your mom. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you just had to like say goodbye to your brother and now. It's like, yeah, that is a little much. <laughs> yeah. And they, they both like apologize to each other, but there's something off. Like, something has definitely changed between them. Oh my god, this scene. Like, Oscars, Golden Globes, Tonys. (laughs) All of it. Like, I love this scene so much. The way that he looks at her. Yeah. And he puts his hands on her face. And then he says, you won't be with me after this, will you? Yeah. Dead and gone. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my god. He's going to turn fake on us right now. It's going to happen. Because he is fucked up in his own way. And he doesn't want to be left alone. Right. So what he cares the most about is not Grace. It is not being alone. Which is why he went through with the wedding. Uh Which is why he brought her here in the first place. And it's why he's going back to his family now. Fucking great. That is what we call writing a character well. In a truncated time in a horror film. So good. That's (laughs) tough. He does, though, man to restrain her and ends up calling for his family. It is nearly dawn, and Tony is desperate to rush the ritual so that LaBelle doesn't kill them. Since Alex seems to have swapped sides and is maybe LaBelle's favorite, they give him the knife and he's all, Hail Satan! But just before he can kill her, she He doesn't say it that way, he just goes, Hail Satan. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone else is hailing Satan emphatically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Natalie I just think that was, I think that was a note. <laughs> Grace, though, manages to, like, just get out of the way and takes the, the hit in her shoulder rather than her chest. But because she bought herself those extra few seconds, the Ladomas family is out of time. The sun is out and Helene is like, oh my god, I'm so sorry I, I let you down. It's horrible. And... <laughs> Charity's out there like, I just want to go home. And everybody's like bracing for death. But nothing happens for like a second. It's just long enough. Yeah. It's just long enough. Where you're like, maybe it's not going to happen. And all of them are like, I knew it was bullshit. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. My favorite thing is that Tony is like, uh, I don't know. Like, well, this is unexpected. And Fitch is like, so what do we do with her? 
Yeah, and Grace is just standing in the corner brandishing the knife, like, yeah, breathing feral. heavily, like, what yeah. the hell? Yeah, like, back up. Looking, looking fully. She, like, literally, like, grunts or whatever when somebody yeah. references her. Yeah, she, like, hisses, I think, at Alex or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, it's so good. And Helene is like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let you down with Bale because she's like, this must be, like, extra time to uphold the traditions. So she, like, grabs her axe, but just as she, just as she gets close to Grace, she literally explodes. <laughs> Bursts into chunks. Just explodes. <laughs> like Jaws. End of Jaws. Or like the end of Kingsman. She just explodes. Literally just fully blows up. It yeah. is so good. I think that it is just crazy enough that you're just like, that's awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I love that, like, so everybody blows up, which is great. And then there's that scene where it's like her and Alex talking and she like fully snorts while they're talking. <laughs> I love laughing. her little snort. I yeah, love just, it. As each person is blowing up, she's just like starting to laugh kind of hysterically. Yes. She's so, she's like, I'm having the greatest time right now. Yeah. The ultimate catharsis. The oh, best so part good. of the sequence though is that the absolute banger starts to play by itself. <laughs> we get to hear it again. the reprise well alex so as soon as so everything that they just said happens um everybody blows up alex is like pleading with grace and she's like you know what i want a divorce and as soon as she chucks the ring at him he also explodes good timing so i didn't understand he says something like see labelle didn't take me because you make me good or something i didn't quite understand why he wasn't going to blow up Simply because he was married to her. I think it's because Mr. LaBelle has good timing. He was just grasping at straws. They just hadn't gotten to him yet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fully excellent ending. We love her walking out as the entire mansion is burning down. She's covered in blood. She lights a cigarette. It is truly iconic. One of the most iconic final shots of a horror movie of the last decade. I am pretty sure. That reminded me a lot of Heather's. Yes, it's the Heather's vibes. It's just good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the um, kind of the rock version of the, like the here comes the bra. Which which slaps, like. which like fully slaps. I was like, this is actually kind of a bop and I enjoy it. Yeah. So, oh, it's love me tender, love me true or something mm-hmm. like that. It yeah. kind of blends into the, the other stuff. And there's that like funny little joke at the end where he's like, what happened? And she's like, in-laws. And I'm like, oh, what a movie. Like, okay, yeah. skipped such an important moment though. What? When the fireplace like flares up, she like literally oh, sees yeah. the veil oh, yeah. in the chair. I mean, whatever. We all knew he was real. I mean, <laughs> I did like that. I didn't notice that the he, first like, time around. Her. Yeah, he's just like, good day. And then he's she's like, like, he's like, hey, fuck. Good job, girl. <laughs> he's like, respect. <laughs> game recognizes game. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, yeah, the cops show up and obviously she's going to get medical assistance and all of that. Yes. And There's she's going to no amount of medical assistance that will fix it. Go to therapy, have a good time yeah. at therapy. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a very good movie. Like I really enjoy this movie. I just I just think it's such, such a fun time, you know? Mm-hmm. It builds tension in a really good way. I mm-hmm. I did not realize like I didn't remember the second time around how tense it made me when I watched it the first time. And it was like it just has a really good progression of conflict and tension and stakes that mm-hmm. i think it's a really tight 
mm-hmm. well well crafted script. Yeah, it's it's just like a really solid little horror movie. Like I I would always I would always recommend this for somebody if they just want to throw something on and have a good time. Just a good watch. Just ugh. yes. And Samara Weaving is truly like that girl. Like I'm just so excited to see where her career goes because she is truly a delight in everything that she's in, which we just love. So do we want to talk about what is next for us? Yeah. Um, okay. So I have been going back and forth all day trying to decide what I want to do for my next pick because I chose something that was like really fun and near and dear to my heart last time when I chose Scream. I think I'm going to go back and do something a little more serious and then I'll do another fun one again just to keep the girls on their toes. So my pick going forward is one that I've actually already plugged on our Instagram because it was one of my favorite movies of last year. So we are going to watch and talk about The Night House, which came out last year in 2021. This movie, I'm not even going to tell you guys anything about it. I do not think that you should go in with any preconceived notions of what this film is. Just because I think it makes it more fun. Though this movie is not necessarily fun. I know absolutely nothing about this movie. I I just have heard about it. But I know nothing. I will say that it is, in my opinion, one of the most well done, like, drama horror films that we've had last year. Because that was like a genre that really came out last year and like really like went for it. Mm-hmm. I don't really like the term elevated horror for all the reasons everybody else shits on the term elevated horror. I don't mm-hmm. really think that's a thing. But I do think that there is a genre of horror that is more like dramatic horror yeah. that takes like elements of what you would see in a stereotypical drama and applies it to a horror film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is a version of that and that it does it in a super interesting way. I really think that there are things in this movie that both of you will like, and I don't necessarily think that they're the same thing. So I'm really curious to see what you guys are going to think. So I'm excited. I yeah, me too. I didn't this one in theaters, so... Yeah, I saw it in theaters. Fucking like, no one saw this movie, but like this movie was very good. And I'm hoping that even if even if like we get one person to watch this movie from our little podcast, I think that is a well, well done execution on our part. So <laughs> yes, highly recommend everybody. Please seek out that movie and watch it for the episode. Because trust me, you will want to. Things might get a little confusing if you have not seen it. Hmm. As per usual, thank you guys all for listening. If you would like to support us, we really, really love it. If you would leave us a comment and a review or like a rating on the podcatcher of your choice. We love hearing from you guys about what you like and don't like on the show. So it always just means a lot when somebody reaches out and says that they're having a good time watching it because we're having a really, really good time making it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also follow us at our Instagram, which is at Slashers Prefer Blondes podcast, where we post like little updates on the podcast and also some like cool extra stuff about like movie recommendations and stuff like that i am thinking about starting us a twitter if you guys would be interested in having access to us on twitter please let us know probably on the instagram (laughs) so thank you so much for listening we really appreciate all of you and stay Stay spooky spooky. everybody stay spooky and stay (laughs) hidden Oh God. <laughs> that was ominous. Jesus Christ, we Laura. We are going to find you, find you. <laughs> <laughs>